This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Interesting. We're going to get half of a message today. Uh, I, I am glad to be here today, though. Isn't it great? Isn't this amazing weather we're having? Can we just be thankful for one minute that whoa like this this is crazy weather yes this, those of you that are true calgarians those of you that just moved here in the last six months i'm sorry to tell you that this is not how it is but anyways we're going to take it if you moved here in the last six months we're going to tell you that it's like this because of you thank you for moving here we appreciate your um i i do i want to finish our series on under pressure by the way next um week we're going to begin a series called how to make your life count. And I am, um, I'm both excited about this series, but I, but I also think God's going to really challenge us as I've been writing it. The Word of God has been really challenging me. And really, that's the best way we know, that God's Word does challenge us and actually kind of makes us... If God's Word doesn't ever make you uncomfortable, I just wonder if you're kind of sleeping while you read it. It should sort of, when we read the Word of God, we should sort of feel like, really? Did you really say that? And that's why some of you have learned Greek, <laughs> so that you can make sure that that's actually what Jesus said. And so we're going to look at some of the words of Jesus over the next number of weeks, and um, it's going to be great. Um, today, I want to talk about persistence under pressure, though. The difficult thing about the world that we're living in, like, I really... I really wish that we could have had this series under pressure, and then after the series, nobody would have any pressure anymore. Um, wouldn't that be great? This is the point of the series, the Magic Jesus series, <laughs> that we would all listen to this scripture, and then all of our pressure would go away. Think about right now the things that are making you feel pressured. Okay, you don't have to, you don't have to tell those to anybody, but think about all the things that, that are making you pressured. Okay, imagine if today... In this church service right now, every single thing that you're feeling pressure about right now went away. Now, that would be an amazing Thanksgiving, wouldn't it? Like some of you have a turkey cooking right now. And okay, imagine if everything, you know what I can guarantee you? That by next week, by next Sunday, you'd have a whole other list of things that were making you pressured, yes? Have you ever lived with this like, I, can, I know sometimes when I'm taking my morning walk, because this is where I sort of take stock of my life, and I, I've thought, if only the Lord could answer this one thing, I would never ask for another thing. Have any of you ever said that before? I know it's not very spiritual that your pastor says things like this, but I have said this before. If only this one thing could be answered, then every... And then you know what the Lord does? He answers that one thing. But then there's another thing, right? Like there's only, and this is, this is the way of life. This is what it means to be human, to have pressures. In a lot of ways, pressure is what helps define us as people. And as much as we hate it, without pressure, listen, without pressure, humans become flaccid and kind of unbearable. In the 1920s, anthropologist Margaret Mead, one of the most uh, famous anthropologists, studied different cultures. What she found is that kids that grew up in societies where they didn't really have any pressure, like, they just hung out, and they were allowed to do whatever they wanted. And by the way, parents, this is a little nugget for you. Don't feel bad about making your kids do chores. Uh, she found out the kids that did this became really unhappy adults. But kids that had a significant amount of pressure on them, like a lot of responsibilities, actually became productive humans. 
There's something interesting about the idea that we were made for pressure. You were made for responsibility. You were made to feel some kind of pressure. But so, so while we abhor pressure, like none of us is like, sign me up for more, we actually need pressure to perform. So on this Thanksgiving morning, we can actually thank God. Right now, just think about all those things you just thought about that are causing you pressure. We can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm worried about my bank account right now. Thank you, Jesus. Like, we really can, because this helps us. The pressure actually helps us to perform. Some of your faces right now are like, I think she's preaching heresy this morning. You look like, okay, it's going to get better, I promise. What we really need with all this pressure is to learn how to persevere in the middle of it. How do we actually persevere under pressure? Perseverance is the act of keeping at something, even when there are obstacles in front of us. And... Um, Lots of studies have been shown to, and have proved that perseverance is the difference really between being successful and not successful. Uh, uh, you can have lots of talent, but if you don't have perseverance, that will not get you very far. Angela Duxworth, who is a sociologist, wrote a great book on grit. If you haven't read it, parents particularly, I'd encourage you to read it. She said this, she said, our potential is one thing, what we do with it is quite another. <laughs> And this is um, actually true. I want to suggest that the concept of perseverance is also a linchpin in our spiritual lives. The perseverance is not just useful, like, to become successful in the world's eyes, but it actually is a really important concept in our spiritual lives. You can have all the experiences with God that you want. You can cry at an altar. You can have God heal you. You can have God showing up in supernatural ways in your life. But if you don't add perseverance to your spiritual life, your spiritual life will fall apart at some point. Perseverance is is the thing that holds our spiritual lives together. Okay, this whole series, we've been looking at different stories, and we particularly looked at stories in the Old Testament. I want to look at a story in the New Testament today that really is all about perseverance. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, um, let's read it. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for the public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chairs, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone upon the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people were gathered praying. Now we already know from verse 5, what were they praying about? They were praying that Peter would be released. Um, Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, 
Peter's at the door. This is like a really weird story, right? They're praying for Peter, and then Peter comes. And then look what, Rhoda, look what they say to Rhoda. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. What's really weird about this is that it was easier for the people to believe that something like really radically supernatural had happened and his angel was at the door knocking than it was to believe that God just released Peter. <laughs> Anyways, it says in verse 16, but Peter kept on knocking. If you've got a pen or a pencil or your finger, underline that part. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Okay, so this whole story is a story of, it's the story in three acts, and it's all about persistence. I, I want to talk first about persisting in prayer because I think this is the foundation of all of our lives. Um, ha have you ever had a tough season where prayer just seems tough? <sighs> like where it just seems hard to pray. I've had seasons like that. Um, the scripture we just read must have been a really tough season for the church like this. I think, now I, I've read this story many times. I think many times when I read it, I, I have just sort of skimmed over. And Herod was going out and rounding up people and killing them. I read it with new um, eyes, though, during this last season of our life. Because I think we all understood what it was like to live under a little bit of like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And you went out to get extra cilantro and you felt like you might be arrested. Um, <clears throat> Like, I, I, I often hear people when we're talking, oh, I really wish that God could have made me in the New Testament, because I would have been really awesome. Like, there was a lot of things going on. I could have prayed for people, and people could have gotten up. But, okay, Acts, by Acts chapter 12, it's not, it's not decades and decades. This is like in the same era that the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. It says that Herod was going around, rounding people up, and killing them. And because... Because everyone was so pleased that he was doing this, like read back on verse, this is basically what he was, he was excited. I mean, this was a political coup for him. Now imagine if you're in the church at this time. Okay, we're gathered here today. Let's just pretend that Herod has been rounding us all up. Your son, your daughter, the person that leads your small group. Prayer becomes a little bit weird then, doesn't it? It says that James was killed. James was one of the God's chosen apostles. We don't know particularly what James it was, but perhaps it was James, the brother of Jesus. We assume, historians assume that it was James. So Jesus' own brother has been captured and then a sword sent through him. And now Peter has also been seized. Okay, we need to read this story thinking about what happens to us when our prayers don't get answered. We can assume that when James was seized, that what? The church prayed for him. Yes, like Peter. They, they would have prayed for him. But what happened? He got dead. He got killed. What's difficult, and what we must admit here, is that sometimes when our prayers don't get answered the way we want them to, it's difficult to keep praying. Like when you pray for someone to be healed, and they die. Or when you pray for that promotion, and instead you get fired. This is the reality of living in the kingdom that is here and not yet. Sometimes as Christians, though, we don't like to admit this. We read chapters like this and just think, well, we better have a really good prayer life. 
It's okay for us to admit that, but then say, God, are you going to help me? Can you please help me in my perseverance? There have been seasons in my life where I have prayed for things, and they have not come to pass. Now, I wish I could get up here and tell you, and here's the five reasons why it didn't work out and why your life can be better than mine. But maybe this side of heaven, I won't have all the answers. Do you notice that in Acts chapter 12, there is no explanation for why James got saved, but Peter did not. Nobody said it, and it was because Peter had, there was no explanation for it. But we do know this, that the church kept earnestly praying in the middle of this. Now, I don't know about you, but if Peter was in jail, maybe I would have said something like, Well, I mean, I wouldn't have said this out loud, but in my mind, I would have said, you know, somebody's calling a prayer meeting, we're going to all pray for Peter, and I would have been thinking, and how did that go for James? I think I'm going for a cheeseburger instead. I'm really busy that night. I'm really busy on the prayer meeting night. (laughs) But chapter, but verse 5 reminds us of something that I want to call us to. It says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Today I want to call us to be the kind of people that admit, yes, we might have been through some disappointment. There might be some things this side of heaven we don't understand, and yet we still persevere in faith. We still persist in prayer. This entire story is a a story of persistence under pressure. So let me ask you this. What have you given up praying for because you've had some disappointment? What have you just stopped persistent? Like, if we were to do an audit of your life and Jesus were to come back, where is it that you have stopped persisting in prayer? Maybe you've given up believing that the person you live with could ever change. Maybe you stop believing that your child can come back to Jesus. I don't know what the thousands of things that we pray for are, but I, I want to call us to be a persisting church, to be a persisting kind of Christian, the person that says, I might have had some disappointments. Listen, admitting the disappointment is not a lack of faith. It's living in reality, right? Yeah, there's some disappointments that I've been through, but that doesn't mean I'm going to quit. Every chance I get. So people often say this to me. Let me just put it on the ground for you a little bit. Um, my brother was 18. He was killed in a workplace accident. We prayed for six days, and I, I, I believed with all of my heart that God could heal him. Hundreds of people came to the hospital and laid hands on him and prayed for him, and like thousands of people all over the world were praying for him. And on the sixth day, my brother died. Now, I'm not going to tell you that that was not great disappointment. It was not comforting to me when people said to me, you know what, God just must have wanted him in heaven. By the way, if somebody's grieving, don't ever say that to them. But what it has not done is made me stop persisting in prayer. So when when one of you are sick, I'm praying and believing God's going to heal you because that's all his word gives us. We, We don't have a license to go, you know what, my own experience will trump God's word. So some of us have let our own experience trump God's word. So we've said things like, well, like, it didn't work out for me, so I guess it's not going to work out for you either. Tough beans. Our job, Scripture shows us again and again, our job is not to let our own experience color what we know about God. 
Now, I do not know this side of heaven. I'll never be able to give you some kind of like four-point explanation about why this happened. I have no clue, but I know I'm trusting God. And I know that I'm going to persevere no matter what happens. I want to call you to be persevering kind of Christians. The kind of Christians that say, I, I, I'm just not giving up. Because I believe that my God is good. Even when I cannot see what's in front of me, I believe he's good. And then we, um, then we come to act number two. Okay, so the church is praying. They're praying away, they're praying, and they're not even sure. <laughs> they don't even, they, what's weird about this? So let me just make one little aside. I know, I, I understand Hebrews tells us that without faith it's impossible to please God. But the church is praying earnestly for Peter. Peter comes and they're like, what? That can't be Peter. So like you can't actually say, oh, they were full of faith. That's why it won. For no, they were praying and they didn't even know what they were praying about. They didn't even believe it was him. So sometimes, listen, it's not about you and how spiritual you are. Just because you got a mouth. Pray. You don't have to be that spiritual. Just pray. Okay. Second, the second act is this. Uh, Peter, we, we see that Peter learns how to persist in trust. Um, it's interesting that the Bible tells us that Peter is sleeping in prison. Now, the reason I can believe the gospel when I get in bed at night is because I see people like Peter that have had such a transformation. Now, if you haven't read the New Testament, let me just share a little bit about Peter. He's my favorite character in the whole New Testament because he's the worst. He cuts off people's ears. He's like mad all the time. He's always saying things he shouldn't, and I feel great comfort when I read about Peter. Like he's always, like he was really trying to like keep Jesus from being, we talked about this in the, in the spring, you can listen to the podcast. Like he kind of, I mean, it's not every day that you have somebody cut off somebody's ear. We read this as Christians and we go, yeah, that's kind of normal. No, it's weird, weird. Like, I hope you don't have a friend who cuts off, who's just cut off a few. They've just cut off one ear. I mean, if you brought this child home to your mom, she would say, get a new friend. Birds of a feather flock together. You remember all those sayings? If you're a young parent right now, I can give you a whole list of them if you want. They're very useful. Okay, so Peter is kind of the worst, and he's not exactly a person that you would say, he's a peaceful person. No. He's like wild, like, and like psychologists really could have a heyday with Peter because he's, but we come to Acts chapter 12. He is in jail. He's been rounded up by Herod. Remember that his friend James, the one that he has walked with, has been sorted to death. I don't know if that's the verb, but he's been killed. And it says that Peter is in prison with four times four, let's go back to math class, four times four, 16 guards are around him. I was going to do a demonstration. My timer tells me we do not have time. But imagine 16 people, have you ever tried to sleep while 16 people are watching you? Have any of you as a parent ever had this terrible experience? You're sleeping and all of a sudden, and you're in a deep sleep, you're having a good dream. Like it's like a good, good, and then you can hear this little. It is your child looking. If you've never had children, thank God in this moment, because it, it wrecks you. It is so scary. You look up, your eyes, you were just, and then you look up and your child is breathing over you like Darth Vader. And I don't know how they all know to do this, but they just, it's a gift of God. I don't. So Peter is in jail. 
There are 16 people around him breathing, watching him, because they're worried that something is going to happen. By the way, what kind of what kind of power was Peter walking with that the world took notice of that and sent 16 people around him? But what's even wilder, I mean, I think I'd read this scripture before. I'd never read it like this. You have to, by the way, this is just an aside. When you're reading the scripture, ask yourself questions about every single line. So I asked myself this question when it says, Peter was sleeping with 16 guards around him. Would I be able to sleep with 16 guards around me knowing that I might be murdered in the morning? No, you wouldn't be able to either. You know what you'd be thinking about? All the cringy things you ever did in your whole life. All the people that you wished you need, you know. But the peace of God was so on Peter that he was sleeping. Now, Peter was sleeping so much. There's a really funny line that I was laughing about this week with Dave. It says the angel of the Lord struck him, had to strike him to wake him up. Like, that is the kind of sleep. Some of you have not had a sleep like that since 1984. Like, he has so much trust in God that he is like snoring logs. He's just, he is in chains, and he is drooling. Well, we don't know if he's drooling. I'm making that up. But when was the last time you had to be struck to be woke? It's also kind of funny, because we always say weird things in church, like, the Lord is a gentleman. I, and by the way, that's nowhere in scripture. Just, just Now, the Lord is good, but that's a 21st century make, made-up thing. He's gen- well, he is gentle, but he sent an angel to strike Peter to wake him up. It's like the best. It's the best. Listen, the Bible's full of all kinds of funny things. You should be reading the Bible and thinking to yourself, I, I get to read this. I get to read this book. It's ama- it's ama- we are so blessed and highly favored that at this time in, in history, we get to read all of this and know the goodness of God. So this is a real picture of um, trust, Peter sleeping. Now, I, I know a bit about this because I, I, I'm asking the Lord to help me with this. So two weeks ago, I, I had had a cold for six weeks, and Dave finally said to me, nope, we're not doing this anymore. You're not going to cough all night in our bed. You're going to go see a doctor. Now, I had a few of you who were also in the crowd that said, get to a doctor. So I reluctantly went to the doctor, and I said to the doctor, I'm so sorry that I'm here. I have a cold, but my husband is a good man, and he made me come. See how I, I know you're worried now. Those of you that are marriage counselors, you're very worried about us. Anyways, the doctor listened to my lungs, and then he said, oh, good thing you came because you have pneumonia. So, um, and I thought pneumonia was really something that only babies got or... I don't know. I didn't have COVID. I just had pneumonia. But I, I went into full-on, I'm just being, I went into panic mode because, like, I had all these things. Some of you I was meeting with that week, and then I, what was I going to do, and how was I going to, and I just, I was reading the scripture and studying for this, and I just felt like the Lord said, no, the way that you show persistence is by trusting me. And sometimes trust looks like doing nothing. Some of you are trying to, like, make your life all work. Every part of your life, you're trying to do all the things and get your to-do list done. Sometimes persisting in faith means that we just say, God, I trust you. I believe that you are God and that I am not. Some of us have a harder time with us that than others, though. So sometimes persistence looks like prayer. And sometimes it looks like trust. Sometimes it just looks like saying, God, I believe that I'm going to be faithful in my job, and I'm believing that you're going to make a way. 
God, I, I'm, I'm single right now and I don't want to remain single. I'm believing that you're going to bring that person to me. God, I, I got a diagnosis from the doctor and I'm believing that you want to heal me, so I'm going to believe you for that. I'm not going to... Because there's nothing worse than when we force the way. Have you ever forced your way into something before? It's, it's the worst feeling because you know that you're forcing your way into something. It's never the worst. Like, let the peace of God... Let the peace of God lead you. Okay, the third, the third um, act in this is persisting in action. So Peter is sleeping when all of a sudden this angel appears to him. Now, and the interaction between Peter and the angel is interesting. I, let's just read verse 7. It says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And uh, when you read the Greek here, what, what you understand is that Peter actually, there's like an action, Peter stands up, and then the chains fell off. Now, again, if I am Peter, and I am in a deep sleep, and I have to be struck to be woken up out of my sleep, and then someone says, come on now, let's go. I'm saying, hello, hello, how, how is that going to happen? I'm in chains. Are any of you question askers here? Are any of you people that like, like an explanation? No, no, but Peter just stands up and then the chains come off. And then it says, then the angel said, put your clothes and sandals on. And Peter did so. You notice Peter is not saying anything. He's not like asking for explanation. He's just acting. He's just doing what the angel says. Wrap your cloak around me and follow me. And all of this leads Peter to freedom in the end. Sometimes we have to move to see the miracle. Some, some of us are looking for explanations about like how it's going to happen and why it's going to happen and three-point steps for why this will be the best move for you. And God just says, I have just spoken it to you, move. Get to moving. Some of us have talked ourselves out of God freeing us because we haven't had it like, it hasn't made sense in our mind. Sometimes the way we persist, we persist by moving in grace, by moving in what he's speaking to us, which is why we have to be listening to what he's saying. Some of us, the angel has struck us while we were sleeping, and we just determined that we were going to keep sleeping, hitting the snooze button. Hmm. Sometimes the way that God rescues us is by causing us to move. Faith, we said this before, is always what God is looking for. Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. What are the areas that God's asking you to move in? Where you're looking for an explanation, and he's just saying, just move. I will give you the explanation after. Now, Peter didn't actually get an explanation for any of this anyways. He, like, woke up out of, like, he was moving and being obedient, and then he was like, oh, so this wasn't a dream. Isn't that weird? Have you ever had a weird dream like that, where you wake up and you, like, actually think it, was ha it has happened? This is sort of what happened to Peter just in reverse. Or sometimes, listen, in our lives, things happen and you're like, this feels like a dream. This is sometimes how God moves, but we have to be obedient. He does never, he will never force you. He always is looking for willing vessels. What's interesting about persistence is that it's really, really personal. Growing in our faith and understanding the kind of perseverance that we must employ requires that we say, God, in this season that I am currently in, are you calling me to persist in prayer? Are you calling me to persist in trust? Are you calling me to persist in action? And sometimes it's all three at once. The main thing is that we don't give up. Okay, so now let's go back to the end of this story. 
So Peter has all of this happen to him. He's in jail, he takes a nap, the angel hits him, he gets up, he gets free, and then he goes and he knocks on the door. Hi, it's Peter, and he's like using his voice. It's not like his... And Rhoda comes to the door and doesn't open the door. This could have been the worst ending to a story of all time. Imagine if Peter went, well, knock, 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 it's Peter, and they don't say, imagine if Peter had gone, well, I guess nobody wants me here. I guess I, I, guess I wasn't as big of a deal as I thought I was. There are some of you here that if this happened to you and you got to the door and someone didn't open you, you'd be crying in your Cheerios for six months. And you would give up. Because the knocking didn't, didn't result in action right away. It didn't turn out exactly the way that you thought it would. Right. But what if you were like Peter right now in your life? You're just at the door knocking. And just because the door hasn't been opened doesn't mean that God is not still working and moving. Some of you, you've seen God do miracles, but you're right at the point where you're like, I think I'm going to give up because nobody, nobody's come to the door yet. You forget, the, like your marriage is in a, in a busted place and you're not, you're, you don't understand that you're at the door knocking right now. This, is a, this story is about to get wrapped up with a happy bow on the ending and you're about to give up. Persistence under pressure means that we keep knocking. This is why the Bible said, and Peter kept knocking kept knocking. I want to call some of you to be the kind of people that keep knocking. I want to call all of us to be the kind of people that keep knocking because there will be times in your life when you get to the door and it seems like God's done all these miracles and then you finally get to the door and nobody answers. I imagine if I was Peter and I mean like let's just remember that recall that Peter's got a hot temper naturally. Rhoda's saying, I don't, I don't know. It sounds like Peter. And then some guy is in there saying, no, it's not. It's probably just his angel. Let's just keep praying. Peter's getting mad. On the, some, some of you listen. Some of you, you're on the outside of that door knocking, and you're mad. You actually can feel the tightness in your chest. Like, cause, like maybe your kid isn't doing the things you want them to do, or your job isn't going the way you want it to go. Your life is not going the way that you're mad. And what you want to do in this moment is say, forget it. Forget it. This is the kind of people I'm leading. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to a new church. Send me to a new continent, God. Some of you have felt like this about your community of belonging, by the way. You're, you're right on the middle. You're right in the middle of a breakthrough, but it feels like nobody's listening to you. And you, oh, fine, if this is the way it is, I'm going to get some new friends and they'll see, they'll see. Mm. But Acts chapter 12 reminds us that we've just got to keep knocking. The whole story, isn't it cool how the whole story is about persistence? Persisting. Persistent prayer. Persistent trust. Persistent action. Don't give up. I want to pray for us this morning that God would help us to persist, to persist, even when we don't feel like it, even when it feels like impossible. When I first was called to ministry, I was in a really bad spot. I've told this story, I think, before I was, 
Oh, I'd, I'd had a really bad, a bunch of things bad happened to me. The Lord called me to ministry. And people said to me, you need to come do this. So I took this job, and I was literally making five bucks an hour. I'd go to the high schools. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like 22 or 21. And I'd go, and I, I didn't want to do this, so I said, to every high school, hi, my name is Jessica. I am a Pentecostal pastor. I'd like to come and pray probably in tongues at your high school because my hope was that, that they would say, no, you can't come here. <laughs> every single high school said, yeah, yeah, come on in, come on. Can we give you an office or something? It was terrible. I mean, it was good, but terrible. <laughs> and um, I would sit down in the cafeteria. Now, now just, just, I looked 12, okay? So I, I would sit down in the cafeteria and I didn't have, I had nothing in my heart. Like I had no, I wasn't like feeling on fire. I wasn't feeling like I was like really moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I would just sit at the cafeteria. And the Lord, I can only say this, the Lord would send kid after kid. Hey, I heard you're coming to pray at our school. I'm wondering if you could tell me about Jesus. Everywhere I went in that season, my, my friends actually refused to go to the mall with me anymore because I would sit down at the food court and rando people would come up to me and be like, hey, I'm just wondering if there's something different about you. Could you pray with me? I'd go get keys made. Okay, so like God confirmed this. But fast forward 20 years, and I, I'm just telling you my story. 20 years, fast forward 20, 15, 20 years. There have been times where I've thought, nah, forget it. I'm knocking on the door, God, and it feels like it's going nowhere. I'm knocking on the door and I feel like I can't get anywhere. Clearly, I should go be a taxidermist. No, there's nothing wrong. If you're a taxidermist, praise the Lord. I would, some days I'd like to be a taxidermist. But when I read this story, I remember how the Lord confirmed his word to me. I want you to think about your story right now. There have been, I, I know this because our God is good and our God is real. He has confirmed his call to you over and over and over and over. He's put his hand on you over and over. He's done miracles for you over and over again. And now you're standing at the door and you're knocking. My word of admonition to you today is keep knocking. Keep knocking. Don't give up. Keep knocking. This is what it means to live under pressure. Jesus, I pray for my friends today that you would give us all, you'd give us the courage to continue to knock even when we feel like we cannot anymore, even when it feels like we are weary. God, give us the courage to square our shoulders back and in Jesus' name say, God, we're going to keep knocking till that door opens. God, we're going to keep knocking even though our feelings have been hurt. God, we're going to keep knocking even though we've been in chains for so long. It feels like our wrists and our ankles are rubbed raw. God, we're going to keep knocking because this is the kind of holy persistence you've called us to. God, I thank you that you are in the business of breathing hope and courage into us. Thank you that we don't have to, we don't have to build that up on our own. But you, you actually give us courage. If you're here today and you need, you need courage to continue to persist, I, I just would encourage you, just lift your hands to God right now. 
It's nothing, there's nothing magical about lifting our hands, but, we're, but it's an act, it's a bodily act of surrender, saying, God, here I am. God, for my friends that are here with their hands raised, I pray that you would give them courage to persist. That we would be marked as a people who persist under pressure. For the person that has come today, God, and has felt like giving up, feels like this is the end of their story, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give them courage to trust you one more day, that they'd continue to knock in every part of their life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you just stand to your feet this morning? We're just going to close in a song. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.